Hey folks, I'm Nick D'Alessandro, and this is Wait 5 Minutes, a podcast about Florida by a Floridian. This week is the final episode in our mini-series, Floridians, before Season 4 premieres in June. A little more on that at the end of the episode. For today's story, I called up my friend Olivia Matthews. She's a playwright who grew up in Florida just a few miles from me in Claremont. We didn't meet until college when we both attended Rollins College, where we both studied theater together for just one year when we intersected. She was a senior, I was a freshman. She graduated in 2015, my freshman year. But in that one year, we became fast friends and share many bizarre memories together. One of those relates to a unique holiday at Rollins called Fox Day. It's a day too beautiful to have class and I spent four years out of school where once every year I got a random day off in the spring because it was, um, you know, the, the president of the school put out a Fox statue. Fox Day is a time-honored tradition of Rollins College and the entirety of the city where Rollins is situated, Winter Park. Liv and I experienced a cumulative seven Fox Days amongst the two of us, and the one we actually shared together left such an impact on us that we both remember it vividly years later. But we'll get to that in a bit. I remember living in Atlanta after I graduated from college and hearing people's perception of Florida was very interesting to me. Um, And you know, Florida sometimes ends up being like a punchline or the butt of the joke or whatever. No doubt in my mind, this is the sentiment that I hear the most from those who create things about Florida. We learn very quickly the way people feel about our state, and almost without fail, we devote ourselves to creating something that defies those perceptions. Liv is in the same fight, but she has a different experience with it. See, she left Florida a few years ago to move to Atlanta and then Ohio. Her perception of Florida is altered a little bit by those around her. You know, you don't realize how much of a Floridian you are until you leave. And so I think part of me writing about Florida is in a way to humanize Floridians. There's that gif of Bugs Bunny cutting don't off the... Don't even get me started on that gif, Liv. It is the bane of... It is, it is the opposite of my soul. I hate it so much. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was like, Florida, Florida is a... Um, Florida's an interesting place, and, you know, people want to cut Florida off or whatever, but what we're writing about, and when you write, especially especially when you write for the theater, because everything's so live and immediate, and you have people and bodies on stage, you're humanizing, hopefully you're humanizing your subject, and you have some level of sympathy or empathy for the people that you're writing about and the subjects that you're writing about. So I think part of it, when I was living in Atlanta, part of it was fueled by that, because the first two plays that I wrote while I was living in Florida, were one was set in 1992 during Hurricane Andrew, and the other one set in my hometown of Claremont, Florida. And then coming to graduate school, I think part of the reason why I wrote about Florida was because I, you know, I think there was a level of, I guess I was a little homesick. Not all, but many of her plays are set in Florida and feature characters exploring the facets of our culture. Our nature and our history are inherent to writing about Florida in the first place, and she brings all of that into her stories. There's so much to be inspired by in terms of nature, and and I think it also ha- it has a history of storytelling. I think about Zora Neale Hurston a lot and her coming down and collecting stories, and I think about Jack Kerouac and Ernest Hemingway. 
me being a writer, I just feel like there's so much to draw from. And also just, you know, I think the other thing too is like, there's a rich sense of storytelling being from the South. And I would consider where I'm from in Florida, the South. There's so much to talk about. There's so much to humanize. Obviously, there's a political history. And I think it's just a beautiful place to write about. I lived there for 22 years. um, And there are beautiful people to write about as well. Liv's characters feel inspired by those people. She writes about families separating because of college. She writes about the way the media responds to police brutality. She writes about huge political events through the eyes of people on the ground. One such piece really stands out to me. It's actually my favorite. It's called Rights Restored. It's a monologue, just two pages long, but in those two pages, she fully develops a character that feels very true. She wrote it at an event that is held at her graduate school, Ohio University. And there are plays that I wrote for like a class that we had at uh, OU called Midnight Madness. And the way madness works is that every Monday we get a, there's somebody who's, who's been assigned to be the producer that week. And on Monday they give their prompt out. And then from Monday to Friday, you have that entire time to write, cast, rehearse, direct, edit, and then tag your piece. And then at 11 o'clock, the doors open, the actors are there, they have scripts in hand, and then, you know, lights go up. The prompt she received one week was, where are they now? And it inspired her to write this monologue about a woman named Gina, whose voting rights were restored in Florida after the passage of Amendment 4 in 2018. You'll remember that Amendment 4 allowed formerly incarcerated persons who had served their full parole to vote again. If I remember the prompt correctly, the producer's intention was looking at like this idea of superlatives that you would get like in high school and some of them weren't quite like best smile or most likely to be president or class clown and I had pulled one out of uh, the producer that week he had like written some out on slips of paper and I had pulled one out of the bag and mine said most likely to steal and I was like okay I was like thinking at first how I was going to approach that one and then that week that I was like ruminating on the prompt Florida had passed Amendment 4. To me, I thought that was a proud moment. I think I thought that was a good thing that, you know, our state had done to, you know, allow people who had been formerly incarcerated to restore their right to vote. And I started thinking about, like, who might be affected by this being passed. And then that's when I was, I started putting the pieces together. Okay, what if somebody who had just gotten the right to vote and was able to exercise that right? So the play was set a little bit in the future. It's still set in the future, and it's still looking like it will come true despite the odds. The amendment has faced many opponents, including Senate President Bill Galvano. But courts have assured that hopefully, in November, those affected by this amendment will be given the same opportunity to vote. Liv's play focuses on that optimism while never shying away from the heartache that's layered within. The empathy is valuable. She mentioned earlier how empathetic theater is as a format, and it's true. There are people right there in front of you portraying these characters. You can't ignore them. You can't hide from it. It's with that in mind that Liv brings her own voice to the stage, a voice she wants heard within that venue. How a story is told is intrinsic to that conversation. Her characters are often telling stories themselves. I, I you know, again, I think this goes this, to this idea about one about being from the south and when i think about the south when i think about family which i think my work touches on a lot um 
as well, I think about hearing stories and people telling stories. And often what I've seen on stage are people typically older than me, people who might, you know, might be like old white men on stage. And I think for, I think one of the reasons, another reason why storytelling with my characters is so important to me is because I often put people on stage who we don't typically see all, all the time. And those tend to be young people of color, particularly young black people. And, you know, they might not have lived a lot of life, but they still have a story to tell. And I think it's important to me to have those people have their moment, even within the context of a larger narrative, to say what they need to say. And, if, you know, and saying it through the context of a, through a story. Um, so you have somebody like Gina in Rights Restore, you know, openly admitting like, yeah, I just got out of prison and like, this is how or you have um, the younger sister in, in uh, Yofo talking about, you know, I saw you in high school and I wanted to be closer with you, even though that story ends up being a bit of like a gag. But I think it's important for me as a storyteller, it's important for people who look like me, sound like me, came from the same place as me to have the opportunity to speak and to tell the stories that they need to tell to the people that are important to them. Which brings me to the play that I have the most connection to, about two sisters celebrating the holiday, Fox Day. It's like magical ha- uh, holiday where at Rollins, where it's a day too beautiful to have class, and class gets canceled. It's true. It's the holiday specific to our tiny college, Rollins College. The holiday is over 60 years old, dating back to 1956. Then president of the college, Hugh McCain, decided to begin the tradition by placing a statue of a fox sitting on a rock out in the middle of campus. Once the little stone statue takes up residence in a focal position, it means that all class is canceled. Though it briefly disappeared in the 1960s, it returned in 79 and has occurred every spring semester since. Here's the catch. You never know when it's going to be. It's a random day between spring break and finals. Some people play what is called Fox Day Roulette, where they don't do their homework for the next day because they are gambling that tomorrow will be Fox Day. That and more was the inspiration for Liv's play. In the story, two sisters wait up for the fox. The older sister doubts that it will come. The younger is certain and keeps using this phrase, yofo. You only fox once. So, and also, I wanted to say too. I was thinking about the the title Yofo. I don't know if you know why. Uh, I think I said. I think I said in the. In you the do. Scripts, you but, do. Yeah, but like essentially, like my so my freshman year of college, which would have been 2011-2012, the song "The Motto" by Drake had come out, and he has that line where he says you only live once YOLO and so that phrase was very popular uh-huh. um, and you know and also came out around the same time that Instagram had started to kind of like pick up steam and people I remember like my freshman year people were saying YOFO on social media you know saying you only fox once which which uh, if you not- at <laughs> the whole time you foxed four, four times, times. That- um, so I always thought that was, I always thought that was, and it only happened that year, you know, there was just like a pop culture moment. That, yeah, like, it's, it's, it's one of the weird sort of side effects of Fox Day is the, is the, like the culture around it the like trends that 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 appear around it every year because it's never the same thing every year but every year some weird cultural thing happens at that school that responds to fox day whenever it comes like my freshman year i think your senior year my freshman year wasn't fox day like really really late and every 
killed him certainly. <laughs> and we were all like, it's, I, you, I remember all of us posting every single day different things, being like, is this, are we being messed with? Is this happening? Are we going to do this or what? If I remember correctly, it Fox Day, if you look if you look at the again, it, it's technically supposed to be this random day, but like again, there are a few rules behind it or what what I understand to be rules behind it. So it's never it's usually never on a Monday or a Friday. Um, they try not to plan it the same day as some other major event, particularly lip sync. Um and I, I think where it ended up in the schedule before getting into like the final week of classes, it was like the last day it could possibly be. So it was a Thursday, and I know I was like posting all the time, being like, "Where, where, what is happening with the fox?" I remember somebody in my dorm made yes. uh, these like yes. Nietzsche <laughs> inspired. Um, um, posters and put them around campus and had like the fa- statue of the fox with its eyes crossed out and saying like the fox is dead um and i remember waking up the day of fox day and like taking a marker and writing over one in my dorm and saying the fox is risen <laughs> yeah <laughs> so it's like so fox day i think fox day uh yeah the culture around it is fascinating particularly getting into like internet culture and creating these like very micro niche memes that extremely um, that specific only memes can yes truly only the 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 2000 people that are there at a time can appreciate yeah. it's a little microcosm of a culture and those memories resonate into our lives i remember everything about my four fox days in my senior year i fell asleep next to the wakiva river while reading gilbert king's devil in the grove that brought me to this show Olivia's first Fox Day, where Yofo was trending everywhere, brought her to this play. Everything we create has some piece of us in it, especially if it's a moment that inspired us. I see so much of Olivia and her work, her memories, her experiences, even her relationships with her siblings, who I know she loves. Funny enough, like when I think about like my full-length plays that I wrote while I was at OU, I actually didn't necessarily have like siblings. I think each of those all three of those plays, all of the, like, my protagonists, not, they were all only children, and I don't know what that says, but the plays that I sent you, I think, most, for the most part, somebody, everybody always has, mentions, uh, mentions a sibling, and my siblings and I, I have two brothers, and we're, um, we're all very, very close in age. Like, at one point, we were all in high school at the same time, because we kind of came up at the same time, um, even though we, we've taken different paths, I think we, you know, I can't, I can't see myself without them in a way. Like I'm my, 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 my own individual person, but I came to be that individual person growing up next to them. And so I think family, and again, talking about young people, I think family having that kind of dynamic is very important to my work because it's somebody who's, who's different from you can even be the exact opposite from you, but can also know you very well. And I think having somebody, you know, even if I have somebody who is like the protagonist, having that person on stage who who knows you and gets you or somebody that you can relate to or, or talk about, because uh, my brothers often are very important to me. And I think it's, uh, it's important for my characters to have that as well. It's not always going to be perfect or easy. Sometimes there are busts, but creating something requires you to try and bring a piece of yourself to all of that. Your voice should be heard in whichever medium you prefer. 
For Olivia Matthews, it's playwriting. For Craig Pittman, it's reporting. For Laura Von Mutius, it's through the birds. I guess what I'm trying to say is this. If you're listening to this, I hope you're as passionate about this place or wherever you are as we are. Now, I'm not saying you need to write the next great novel or whatever. Rather, I'm hoping that sometime this year, before 2021 arrives, you throw yourself into something you really are passionate about. Something like our Fox Day or our relationship with those around us. Tell the story only you can tell. We need creative, inspired people now more than ever. And personally, I can't wait to see what you do. And I can't wait to see what Liv does. She is working for the Sesame Workshop over the next few months, and I am so inspired by her and excited for her. It's really a wonderful thing to see your friends succeed, and nobody deserves it more than Liv. I don't know what she's writing next, but whatever it is, I cannot wait to read it, and I cannot wait to see what part of herself she imbues into that story. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Wait 5 Minutes. I'm so glad that you're here. If you've never listened to this show before, you don't need to go all the way back to the beginning. I've written about many, many authors on this show, actually. You should check out the other episodes of Floridians, but you should also listen to my episodes about Marjorie Stoneman Douglas, Zora Neale Hurston, Marjorie Kinnon Rawlings, Kristen Arnett. I even wrote about a playwright who wrote an opera about Florida. You should listen to all of those wonderful episodes. All of the music used in this episode is from Loba Loco. All of the photography used in the social media is from Lauren Nix. You can check out Loba Loco's music at the link below, and you can find Lauren's work at lauren.nix.photo on Instagram. Nix is spelled N-I-X. You can follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at WFMPod, and you can send me an email at WFMPod at gmail.com. You can also follow my personal account on Twitter at WFM Nick. I'd like to thank Olivia Matthews. I know she's my friend, but she didn't have to take the time to be on this show, and it means the world to me that she did. I'd also like to thank Craig Pittman and Laura Von Mutius, who made this mini-season of Floridians so special. I will be back with Season 4 on June 15th. Season 4 is going to be a special one, focusing on the strange ways memory impacts the present. We'll be talking about underground tortoises and six-toed cats, cross-state trails and basketball scandals, and the prehistoric man found on our sandy shores. Catch the first episode all about our state songs on June 15th. Until then, I'm Nick D'Alessandro. Be good to yourself, be good to others, drink more water, and please be well. See you on June 15th.